Proverbs, chapter 25, verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode number four of the Cryptid Chasers podcast. As always, my name is Josh Grizzle, and I will be your host and your guide into the world of the cryptid, the creepy, and the paranormal. Um, So just before we get started in this episode today, I just want to take a few minutes to take care of a few housekeeping things um, before we get into the episode. Um, To start off with, I want to say thank you guys for... Uh, as always, tuning in and listening to the podcast, I, te- I checked it as of yesterday, we're at 87 downloads, which for three episodes, I'm really happy with that. We're almost to 100, um, so I'm sure this episode will put us over that 100 mark, and it's a big milestone for a beginning podcast, so I, I really appreciate that, guys, and I thank you for um tuning in and listening and again don't forget the cryptid chasers podcast is on the podcoin app uh we are for the next two weeks again going to be a bonus show which means you get one and a half times the coins per 10 minutes of listening as you would normally real easy just download the app listen to all your favorite podcasts and you get paid for Literally just listen to podcasts, which you were going to do anyways. Hopefully listen to this one. Why not get paid for it? Um, Again, you can always redeem your points for gift cards or for sweepstakes. Um, Or if you're feeling generous, you can donate them to charity as well. And they support different charities through the app. Um, It's really cool. So please go ahead and check that out and download it there. Make sure when you download the app, you put in referral code CRYPTIDCHASERS. That is all one word. Both C's are capitalized, so capital C, cryptid, capital C, chasers, and you get 300 free points to get you started on your way to earning gift cards or whatever it is that you want to do um, with your points. Um, So download the app today, support the show, and earn some money while you're doing it. Um, I would also like to give a quick shout out to the guys over at the Hollow Sky podcast. Um, just been I've been listening to them a lot recently, and and it's a really really cool podcast. They do a lot of a lot of different things from ghosts to UFOs. Sleep paralysis was their most recent episode. Conspiracy theories even sometimes get mixed in there, so it's really really cool. I mean, alternate dimensions, all that kind of stuff, and you can find them. Literally, wherever you find your podcast, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all that good stuff, and just look for the Hollow Sky Podcast. Really cool guys, really fun to listen to. I would appreciate it if you guys go support them as well. Alright, so, starting off this episode, um, going into this week, I really didn't have, didn't have much of a plan for this episode, but something was brought to my attention last week with Hurricane Dorian that I thought was really, really cool, um... Not that a hurricane is cool, but to preface it, my mom grew up in what's known as the Outer Banks in North Carolina. It's basically the outer islands of North Carolina, and there's a lot of really cool folk legends and ghost stories and everything that happened there, Um, but one that I did not know about and something that really kind of piqued my interest was the Gray Man. The Gray Man is a ghost 
that appears on the beach. Um, it's on the Outer Banks, and sometimes it'll appear on the islands of South Carolina. And it appears whenever there is a hurricane coming. And there is uh, a couple pictures um, circulating around of this gray man that appeared. I've been, I haven't been able to find one uh, that of actually uh, Hurricane Dorian, but I did find a couple from when Florence came through a few years ago, or uh, last year, actually. Um, and I will leave a link to that in the uh, show notes for tonight's episode. So this gray man, there are a couple uh, different theories about who he is. The, the legend of the gray man has been around since the early 1900s, um, and many Hatteras locals seem to believe that he is a sailor um, returning home who died at sea. Some say he is the ghost of George Pauly. Uh, George Pauly was the original owner of what is now known as Pauly's Island in South Carolina, well, which is uh, an area where he is also seen. He's seen quite often on Pauly's Island, actually. Um, now, there are also some stories that suggest that this gray man is the ghost of uh, Blackbeard. I don't know that I necessarily agree that it's Blackbeard because this is more of a benevolent ghost and it's it's a good omen from uh, what the people say about him is whenever he's seen, and he's seen whenever there's a hurricane or a, a storm coming, um, and if you see this gray man, it actually means that you are going to be protected through the storm and you aren't going to be injured or you won't have any damage and you'll be okay um so to me blackbeard was you know one of the most evil <laughs> uh, men that lived during his time period so i i don't believe that this would necessarily be blackbeard but you know a sailor returning from sea would make sense to me um especially if he died during a storm is like warning people that hey a storm is coming um so that 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 one makes the most sense to me to be honest so this kind of got me thinking about all the different stories that I've heard from the Outer Banks, and there is a lot of them. I mean, from the earliest colonies, the Outer Banks area has been filled with creepy stories and strange things happening, and it's, it's very interesting. And so I wanted to just go into a few of them here. Um, first, we can start off to get it out of the way. It's the most infamous, one of the most infamous mysteries in history, um, specifically U.S. history, but it's the colony of Roanoke Island. Roanoke Island is actually, my mother lived there for quite a few years, um, and what the story of Roanoke Island, as I'm sure you have all heard it, is that they disappeared. No one knows where they went. They are just gone. They don't, there's lots of stories, I mean, they had a whole season of American Horror Story about Roanoke Island, so, it, I mean, it's a, it's a huge legend, and um, no one really knows where they went. The only clue is that in one of the trees, there was carved the word Croatoan, um, which was a nearby Indian tribe, so some people say that uh, it was the settlers went off to live with the Croatoan Indians and didn't tell anybody, and so when the people that have left and gone back to England came back, they were gone, <laughs> and no one knew where they went. Um, another theory is that the Croatoans were, came in and wiped them all out, which, I mean, that period of U.S. history is pretty crazy when it comes to the infighting between the Native Americans that were here, and then the uh, settlers and colonists coming over. Pretty pretty crazy, so I mean, either one is highly possible. 
Um, but so that one's that's the most well-known story um, of the Outer Banks. So another story that I came across while I was doing my research for this episode is actually one that I did not know about. Um, it's about the Carol A. Deering. Carol A. Deering was a schooner in the early 1900s. Um, 1919 is the year to be exact. Um, so I'm just going to read the story that I have. This was on a I found on a website called Sunny Day Guide. Um, I'll leave a link to this article as well. It had a couple other stories about the Outer Banks, one of which being the Lost Colony, if you did want to read a little bit more about that. So I'm just going to read what they have here. So it was in 1919 that the beautiful five-masted schooner, the Carol A. Deering, was christened with flowers and embarked on a voyage to South America. Her mission was to deliver her cargo of coal to Rio de Janeiro. Due to illness, the ship's captain and his son, the first mate, disembarked in Lewis, Delaware. Replacing them was a retired veteran of the seas, Captain W.B. Wormel and Charles B. McClellan was hired as first mate. While in port, after delivering the cargo, Captain Wormel met with an old acquaintance. He purportedly confided that he neither trusted the first mate nor some of the crew. In 1921, the Carol A. Deering left Rio and sailed north where they happened upon an American lightship. Someone on her decks called out to the lightship to report that they had lost their anchors and asked that the owner of the vessel be notified. The crew member of the lightboat thought it bizarre that it was not the captain or the first mate who communicated with him. He also noted that there were crew members in the captain's quarters, which is never allowed. That was the last time anyone saw any of the men who served aboard the Deering. The vessel ultimately landed on a sandbar off the coast of North Carolina while still in full sail. Her crew had disappeared, leaving prepared food on the stove and personal effects behind. Only the lifeboat, ship's logs, and crew were missing. Was the disappearance of the Carol A. Deering the result of mutiny? Maybe the vessel was hijacked by pirates or Prohibition-era rum runners. Even foreign politics have been blamed for the abandoned ship, since many thought the Communist Party was somehow involved. A year later, after exhaustive efforts by a handful of government agencies to find the crew of the Carol A. Deering, the search concluded. Because the skillfully crafted vessel could not be saved, and was also a threat to other ships in the Diamond Shoals of the Outer Banks, she was eventually destroyed with dynamite. Her mystery, however, continues to live on in maritime lore. So that's a pretty crazy story that I would really like to know what happened, because it seems like it just, they disappeared. Um, that's why it's called a ghost ship. But, I mean, anything could have happened. You know, my first thought when reading the story was there was a mutiny, and they just left. But why would the lifeboats and the ship's logs and all that stuff still be there if they were kicking people off? Uh, everybody, if it was a mutiny, at least somebody would still be there. The people who mutinied and took over the ship would still be there. The fact that no one was there, and apparently they left in a hurry since there was food on the stove when they left, is crazy. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe this is a Bermuda Triangle type situation where everybody just disappeared for some reason. Um... Could have been a time slip, any anything like that. So that's a really crazy story that I, I would definitely like to know more about and know what happened because that's there's several different things that could have happened with that ship. So another legend of the Outer Banks that this is one that I've known for a little while, and it's not really cryptid or ghost related. Uh, sorry, this isn't a very this isn't a very cryptid heavy episode. It's more into the the creepy and the paranormal side of things, but. I thought with Hurricane Dorian going on, this would be a fitting episode. This story takes place during uh, World War II, 
So apparently there was German U-boats, which this is pretty well known that there were German U-boats all along the coast of the United States. Several being in the Outer Banks and around the Outer Banks, um, just doing reconnaissance, things like that. And the story goes that one night a German U-boat decided that they wanted to dock along the shores and some of the crew members went and decided they were going to go get something to eat and go to the movies. I guess they just wanted to have a day away from being underwater in a boat. But supposedly, several of the locals in that area found out somehow, whether it be they recognized that, oh, these were there's a bunch of Germans that are on shore. Why, why are all these men here? Um, or they found the boat. Um, any number of things could have happened. But supposedly, they found out and... The locals took it upon themselves to defend their homes and uh, defend their country and killed them and buried them and no one knows where. <laughs> so I've, this is a legend that I'm, I'm not sure that it really has any historical backing, but it's a local legend that has gone around for a very long time. And I thought it was really, really interesting, uh, especially because I'm, I'm a history nerd. You know, Civil War, World War II, all that stuff is, is really cool to me. So I thought it was interesting to know that someplace like that where, you know, my mom grew up, where have a lot of family ties to had an event like that take place during World War II. So I thought that was really, really cool. So I did just want to take a moment here to remind you guys, there is an email address where you can submit your own stories, and I would either play them on the air, or I'd love to talk with you and kind of get more detail and share them on the air too. That email address is cryptidchaserspodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can send it in anonymously, you can take a voice recording on your phone and send it to me that way and I can play it on the show um, however you would like to send it in but I would love to hear from you guys love to hear some of your stories and your suggestions if there's any anything that you would like to hear on the podcast or any theme that you would like to have an episode on I would love to do that as well because I'm always looking for new things because you know I haven't heard all the stories that are out there I haven't heard about all the cryptids that are out there and I'm trying to find some that aren't your average you know mothman dogman jersey devil all that kind of stuff which I'm sure will hit on the show at some point but I would love to do more more localized ones more not as well known uh, cryptids and kind of help share and shed some light on lesser known cryptids and legends and stories and paranormal activity and all that kind of stuff um so please please send me a message as well please leave a review on itunes um you know good bad ugly i, I want to hear it i want to know what you guys think and it also helps for helping the show get discovered because you know more more ratings the higher up you go on the charts more likely you are to show up in searches and so i would really appreciate if you guys help the show out by doing that as well that's it for the admin side of things um we'll get back into the episode here and get right back into a few stories so the next story that i have for you tonight is the story of the pirate edward teach also known to history as the pirate blackbeard um blackbeard's favorite haunt was the Outer Banks, specifically the island of Ocracoke, 
that is right off of Hatteras. In order to get to Ocracoke, you actually have to go down to Hatteras and take a ferry over to Ocracoke, which, by the way, guys, please be praying for them. Um, Dorian really messed up Ocracoke Island in that area. I mean, the, the whole island was flooded, and we have uh, family friends that live in that area and work and own businesses there. One of them owns a Napa Auto Parts in Buxton, North Carolina, and there was like a foot of water in the store. Um, so just be praying for those guys, pray for the recovery of the communities around there, as well as in the Bahamas, because they got it way worse than North Carolina did. Um, the Bahamas are devastated. Um, so, you know, my thoughts and prayers are with them as well. But back to the story, there's an area on Ocracoke Island called Teach's Hole. This is where Blackbeard liked to hang out. This is where, when he wasn't off plundering and pillaging and doing the things that pirates do that I don't want to repeat on this show, he was hanging out here. Um, and I just want to read you guys the story of what supposedly happened at the death of Blackbeard. It's pretty crazy and it's, and it's really creepy, which also goes into why I don't really think that this is, that Blackbeard is the gray man that we sp- talked about earlier in the episode because this story doesn't really line up with that at all. And just Blackbeard as a person doesn't really line up with that at all. But without further ado, just going to get into the story here. So the infamous pirate Edward Teach, whom history knows as Blackbeard, terrorized the seas of the Atlantic and the Caribbean during the golden age of piracy, much of it from his favorite hideaway called Teach's Hole off Ocracoke Island. There, he hosted a wild pirate party with drinking, dancing, and large bonfires. The party lasted for days, and several North Carolina citizens sent word to Governor Alexander Spotswood of Virginia. Governor Spotswood immediately ordered two sloops commanded by Lieutenant Robert Maynard of the Royal Navy to go to Ocracoke and capture the pirate. On November 21, 1718, Maynard engaged Blackbeard in a terrible battle. Outnumbered, the pirates put up a bloody fight, but were defeated. Stories tell that it took a total of five gunshots and about twenty stab wounds and cuts to bring the nefarious pirate down, dead. After his death, Blackbeard was beheaded, and his head hung from the bowsprit, and his body thrown overboard. Legend says that as the body hit the water, the head hanging from the bowsprit shouted, Come on, Edward! and the headless body swam three times around the ship before sinking to the bottom. From that day to this, Blackbeard's ghost has haunted Teach's Hole, forever searching for his missing head. Sometimes the headless ghost floats on the surface of the water or swims round and around and around Teach's Hole, glowing just underneath the water. Sometimes folks see a strange light coming from the shore on the Pamlico Sound side of Ocracoke Island, and know that it is Teach's Light. So that is a really crazy story that, I mean, to be honest, I, I have no no trouble believing that Blackbeard was demon-possessed in some way. Just as evil of a man that he was, I, I feel like there has to be demon possession involved. So I feel like that's highly possible that this is a true story that actually happened. Obviously, it's a, it's a legend, and there's no historical evidence to back it up that this is what happened but knowing the story of Blackbeard and who Blackbeard was this would make sense to me that this could possibly happen but it also could have just been blown out of proportion because hey this is Blackbeard this is the most evil nefarious pirate in history and he's dead something crazy had to have happened when they killed him either way I find I find it's a really cool story supposedly you can still see 
what's known as Teach's Light. It's basically just a glow coming from that area around Teach's Hole. Um, and it's said that that is where Blackbeard has buried his treasure. So supposedly there is treasure in that area. Now if you are in that area and you want to uh, visit Teach's Hole, you actually can do that. And it's can be viewed from the shoreline of Springer's Point, and there, there's no parking um, where it's at because it actually has been turned into a nature preserve, but you can park in one of the public parking areas and walk down to where Teach's Hole is at and through the entrance to the nature preserve, and you can go to Teach's Hole, um, and supposedly his ghost can still be seen there today. Yeah, floating around headless in the water. So if that's something that interests you and something that you think you might want to go do, have at it <laughs> and have fun, but I will not be coming with you because <laughs> I ain't playing around with no demon pirate ghost. No, thank you. So the final story that I have for you this evening, guys, does go into the realm of the cryptid phenomena. Um, and this is one that I actually did not know about until I was doing the research for this episode. And having visited this area many times, I can see how this would be possible. I'm just going to jump into it because this creature is new to me. Um, I've never heard of any similar creatures to it. But having been bit by its smaller cousins, I can absolutely see how this would come about. So in the Outer Banks, um, there is a supposed creature called the Avarice Burrow Galley Nipper. It's an interesting name, but what the galley nipper is, is a giant mosquito reportedly as large as a hawk. Um, the reason why I say that this can be believable to me is because the last time I was in the Outer Banks, I was bitten by a mosquito that hurt so bad, I, I thought that something had dug into my skin, like something had like stuck. And I swatted it away, and then I looked, and the stinger was still, or not the stinger, but the um, the little, the nose, whatever it is, what they suck out your blood with, was still in my leg, and it was, it felt like a small, little, almost like a piece of pine straw was what it looked like, and that's how big it was. It hurt. <laughs> so I can see that this area could possibly have some really big mosquitoes because they've got. Some already that do not feel good, but I just wanted to read y'all the story of this one because it's, it's pretty crazy. So the stinger that it carries on its head could slice all the way through a man's arm. A bite from the gallinipper could mean death. The mosquito could drain all the blood from a man in a single gulp. And this would have to be a massive, massive mosquito. So more than the alligators, more than the bears, more than the panthers that hid in the trees, the lumbermen who worked the swamps of North Carolina feared the Gallinipper. The legend of the Gallinipper originates around the now abandoned town of Avarisboro. However, many coastal towns in North Carolina have similar versions of the story, including the state's oldest town, Bath. The earliest accounts of a giant mosquito come from the local American Indian traditional mythology. And the story continues on, Only a cemetery surrounded by a grove and a Civil War museum remind anyone passing through the port town of Avarisboro existed. According to Monsters of North Carolina by John Hare, the town's property records of the 1850s reveal that 13 of the 14 public buildings in the town sold liquor. According to tradition, one of the town's taverns had the skeleton of what looked like a large flying animal suspended from the ceiling. 
its bones carefully wired together in a job that would have made many a museum curator proud. The skeleton had originally belonged to a large bird, perhaps a tundra one, which the proprietor or one of his friends had killed on a hunting excursion to the Outer Banks. Someone had removed the beak from the skeleton and replaced it with a long, scrimshawed piece of bone that tapered to a point like a large needle. Around the neck of the trophy hung a wooden plank upon which someone had roughly inscribed the words, Avarisborough Gallinipper. This trophy was meant to remind visitors that swarms of mosquitoes so large they were mistaken for birds. Belief in large mosquitoes was so widespread that the workmen cutting timber along the Cape Fear kept a wary eye out for the creatures. So like that story uh, stated, it does go back, there are um, early accounts of it in Native American mythology, which, so to me, the creatures that are described in Native American mythology tend to be the most believable ones for me, simply because of the emphasis that the Native Americans put on their creatures. I mean, they had, they believed that a lot of these creatures were divine and had something to do with the creation of the universe and the creation of the earth itself. And majority of their stories are real animals, like foxes and wolves and the world being on the back of a giant turtle, like real animals. So why would all these stories of real animals have these like just fake animals that somebody made up brought in here? To me, it sounds like they would be, at the very least, possible animals that had gone extinct at some point that were around back then, but we don't know. But it always makes it a little bit more believable to me when there is some form of that creature in Native American folklore. Um, so the Tuscarora tribe was an Iroquois tribe of Indians um, that were originally from the area south of the Great Lakes and what is now the present-day New York area. And around 500 AD, they began migrating into uh, North Carolina. And they had lore of a creature called the Roteo which was a mosquito that was as large as a man that flew with vast wings making a loud noise with a long stinger and on whomsoever it lighted, it sucked out all the blood and killed him. Many warriors were destroyed in this way and all attempts to subdue it were in vain and eventually the creature's heart was pierced by an arrow and it spawned the numerous small mosquitoes that inhabit the world today. So essentially this story is that there was a giant mosquito and when they killed it, all these little tiny mosquitoes that just get on our nerves were released into the world, and that's how we have what we have today. Um, so it's, it's definitely a very interesting story. Um, the Carolina Cherokee have a similar version of the Roteo myth. Um, however, in their story, which this is arguably a lot scarier than a giant mosquito, is a giant yellow jacket wasp called Ulagu. The Cherokee stated that Ulagu was large enough to swoop down and pick up children and carry them back to its lair, a cave in western North Carolina, its name meaning where the yellow jacket was. James Mooney wrote of the legend stating, The hunters built fires around the hole so that smoke filled the cave and smothered the great insect, and multitudes of the smaller ones escaped and increased until now yellow jackets, which before were unknown, are all over the world. In both the Tuscarora and Cherokee stories, small modern insects were created when the giant one was killed. So we have the Native Americans to thank for both mosquitoes and yellow jackets, and I hate both of those things, so thank you very much.
but I guess having smaller ones that are just a nuisance are better than having gigantic ones that can wipe out entire tribes and populations of people and carry children off and kill them. So I guess all in all it's a good trade, but if we could just not have any of them, that, that'd be great. That, that would be much appreciated. Um, so there was another sighting of the um, gala nipper that happened in 1855 by a lumber worker named Red Saunders who was reportedly stung by it. However, some versions of the story claim that the giant mosquito bite was actually caused by a hot coal. Um, and many Irish immigrants to the Cape Fear region are also reported to have seen giant mosquitoes in the 1850s. Um, so it seems to have been very active around the mid-1800s. But um, I can see how if you already have that fear of a giant mosquito biting you, and let's say a hot coal was going to hit you on the arm and you didn't see it coming and you just felt this immense pain. I mean, I can imagine how your brain might go to, oh my gosh, I'm being bit by the gallon nipper. Like if, if that's something that you already have a fear of, I can see how that would be possible. Um, but at the same time, I would think you'd be able to tell if it was a hot coal and it was burning instead of actually being bit. But you never know. So that's the show for today, guys. Um, I really hope you enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy sharing stories of places that have significance to me. So obviously I've shared stories of my hometown, stories of my home state, and stories of the state with, from which I would very much like to live in North Carolina. A place where my mom grew up, so I have a family connection to this place. So the stories that take place here are the, some of the most interesting to me, and I really enjoy getting to share them with you guys. Again, if you have anything that you would like me to cover, any topic that you would like me to discuss, or a story that you want to share on air, or I could possibly even interview you guys, um, again, shoot me an email to cryptidchaserspodcast at gmail.com. Um, as always, subscribe on iTunes, leave us a review. Uh, good, bad, or ugly, I want to know what you guys think. Um, and again, I do want to mention real quick before we sign off for tonight, please go check out the Hollow Sky podcast. Those guys are great. Um, and if you are here because of them talking about me on their episode last week, really nice to have you guys. I'm glad you decided to join us, and I hope that you stick around and continue to listen some more. That's all I have for you tonight. So again, as always, stay creepy.